Fifty States of Terror may include descriptions and discussions unsuitable for young audiences. Episodes may contain adult themes, language, and content. Listener discretion is advised. Long day, huh? I'm about to go fishing off that old boat ramp. Want to come? Yeah, I'll go. A night of no fish is better than a full day of work. <laughs> I'm going to get more bait. All right. Here too. Oh no! I can't move. Get away from me! What is going on? need to get the cops. Are you okay? Yes, sir. I think so. What just happened? This is Mississippi. The Pascagoula Elephant Man. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of... 50 states of terror thank you all for coming again and listening to us yeah thank you anthony you sound so tired are you tired uh tired uh yeah uh maybe do <laughs> <laughs> i think we've been doing so much work uh around the house and everything we're just uh man we're pooped yeah, it's been a very long uh, weekend. We had some minor celebrations. We had some home improvements. We have a lot of things going on, but good things nonetheless. Yes, good and exciting things. As you can tell from our intro, we are doing... Mississippi, the Pascagoula Elephant Man. Which means we now need to discuss... Which cryptid won the vote from our mini-sode last week? That's right. That's right. Now, I love a well-placed I told you so. And um, I didn't get one for my mermaid episode. Anthony, what cryptid did the listeners vote for? You all, the listeners, our faithful fan base, all voted. Well, not all, but like the majority of y'all. Like wanted, over fifty percent of over fifty percent of everybody wanted to hear of the plesiosaur of the Mississippi River. Yes, plessy. We. I mean, I don't know about Anthony, but I'm really excited because I like the Loch Ness monster, and I know it's not the Loch Ness monster, but it's close enough that it just 
makes my little heart happy. And we've got a super cool episode coming up for that. But until we get to that point, we have to talk about the Pascagoula Elephant Man. Yeah. I mean, not to be like, like, hey, oh, we're going to hear about this awesome freaking creature from Pascagoula. But, you know, y'all voted and you're going to get your episode. But first, we're going to jump into this unbelievable and fascinating story that occurred in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Does it involve an elephant man? It sure does involve elephant-like skin. Okay, well, with that said... If this is your first episode that you're jumping in on, we have our mini-sode where we present to our listeners three different cryptids. They then get the opportunity to vote on said cryptids, and then we do our full feature-length film where this week Anthony is going to be presenting. So Anthony presents the case, and I'll be honest, I don't know anything about this one. So you're going to get raw reactions from me, a little bit of banter, and then we are going to reach the end where we will rate our cryptid. Yeah, and if this is your first time listening to us, shame on you. No, not shame on you. That, <laughs> a warm welcome. A warm welcome. <laughs> yes, a, a very warm welcome. You better and, roll out that welcome, Matt. Oh, trust me. I, I will I will be like the, the uh, jester servant who comes rolling in with, with like a, 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 a red carpet and and welcoming and, and huge fanfare. That's that's exactly what I'll be doing. That's pretty much how you welcome our company over on a regular. Uh, I think you could uh, ask the ladies from Bitches Who Brunch about that. <laughs> when we had <laughs> you made a full charcuterie spread for like two ladies to come over, and they were just like, "Oh my gosh, do you eat like this all the time?" <laughs> well, like the whole thing. The whole thing was like, "Hey, we're gonna have this brunch meeting about shows and stuff," and I was like, "All right." Do y'all want charcuterie stuff? Because I can make a pretty banging charcuterie board. Yep, this is why I married you. But it is officially kicked off to spooky season, so we shall only be referring to charcuterie boards as char spookery boards. Char spookery boards. Anywho, let's get on to this elephant man while I crave cheese. That's gross. <laughs> Okay, so let's get started. Let's jump into this wonderful southern state of Mississippi. So a little thing that we do with our cryptids is we like to give a little bit of history about uh, how they might have come about, what the people might have uh, told stories in generations that led to cryptids and how they you know, come to fruition. Well... This is a little out of the ordinary because we're going to venture into extraterrestrial. Ooh, a very Hopkinsville twist. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that is a mention of our previous episode, the Hopkinsville Goblin. Hopkinsville. And I will continue to fuck it up all the time just so I can <laughs> never say that goddamn city right. <laughs> It's not even a city, it's a town. What, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but Mississippi is a southern state that has been rooted in very, well, hit or miss history. 
So early inhabitants of the area that is now Mississippi included Choctaw, Natchez, and Chickasaw. And if you remember our previous episodes, we have an influx of explorers and colonists coming from Spain, England, Germany, and France. Now, the Spanish explorers came within this region around 1540, but it was the French who established the first permanent type settlement, what is now present day Mississippi, in 1699. Fast forward on to December 10th, 1817, Mississippi is admitted as the 20th state in the Union. Happy birthday! And after it became the 20th state of the Union, we all know the story. A little thing called the Civil War. Well, Mississippi declared its secession on January 9th, 1861. And it was one of the seven original Confederate states. Now, after the fall of the Confederacy, it was restored to the Union on February 23rd, 1870. Now, what's Funny, not funny, is that the Civil War ended in 1865. So it wasn't brought back to the Union until five years after the Civil War ended. I mean, sometimes you just really need to take some time for yourself after a really bad breakup, you know? Like, get yourself right, get your hair done, set your priorities. Yeah, and within this entire time frame, you have a plethora of, of notable historical events happening. But for a relatively small city of Pascagoula in Jackson County, Mississippi, on October 11th, 1973, it would be a historic small town event. So this story takes place in the afternoon of October 11th, 1973, with two gentlemen, Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker Jr. Now, Charles Hickson was a shipyard foreman, and Calvin Parker Jr. was one of his employees. Now, after work, I don't know if this is a normal thing for the boss and one of the employees to do, but... They went fishing, and they found a small little spot on the Pascula River near an abandoned boat ramp. So the story goes like this. While they were fishing, Charles Hickson was hearing a zipping sound. And... When this, when they were telling the story, he was describing the zipping sound as as a, a whoosh, but it was more more like a an aircraft uh, zip going supersonic speeds almost. Well, he looked up and he saw an object that was floating above him. So the police report and their story mention a 30-foot-long object that's about two cars' length 
with a dome on top hovering approximately eight or 10 feet from the ground while they looked at it. Now, the story continues. Hickson and Parker Jr. were in this paralyzed trance-like state when the blue light shifted from the object onto them. They continue to say that in their paralyzed state that two creatures emerged from the light hovering about, you know, maybe at two feet from the ground and were floating on top of them, grabbed them, and then brought them back into their vessel. And, and that's I think, when the butt stuff started. Well, it's funny you should say that because it's not so much a a, a sexual uh, like examination was 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 about to occur, but what they did say is that they did have some sort of medical examinations done to them by a giant robotic eye. Okay, I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum, but I definitely know that that's a kink somewhere. Well, I think right now it's a good time to describe what these things looked like that emerged yeah. from from the vessel. So there are a couple of really, really good drawings that are out there of the Pascagoula Elephant Man. But this is a podcast, so we have to describe them. So the first one that is relatively shown all the time to Google searches is this five foot husky metallic looking thing. Uh, It almost looks like a, a junior high clay model of a man. It's just bulky. It's barrel chested, long arms with pincher claws at the end. It has absolutely no facial features. It, it its head looks like a, a a dome bucket, and it has four protruding carrot-like things coming out on all sides of its head, north, south, east, west, and that's a pretty uh, well-received picture of the elephant man. The okay. one that Hickson. And Parker Jr. liked to have noted as what they actually saw was more slender, still around five feet tall, but its skin was like an elephant's skin. That gray, leathery type skin that has um, those small little creases of uh i don't even know what to call them but it's not it's not smooth but it has those small little patches on them it still has elongated arms with these pinchers at the ends and again still with no facial features but these carrot-like protrusions coming out on either sides of his head north south east and west okay i gotta know did you come up with the the carrot like as the the metaphoric this is what it looks like or did you read that somewhere because no, i haven't I, seen it i it, haven't seen a picture of this thing yet and i keep hearing carrot 
And even though I'm sure it's not a different color, my brain automatically makes these weird little protruding uh, uh, features and makes them orange. So it is described as as being carrot-like because the protrusion, the thing that, that, that comes out of its head, has a, a base that's larger than the point. So that's what it, she said. It, so it does look like a, a, a carrot that's coming out of, out of his head. And yeah, and that's the way it's, it's, it's described. Okay, I just looked up a picture. I absolutely do know what this is. I have seen this before. Okay, I don't. I still don't know the story, so I'm still I'm still on board with you as a uh, stranger danger situation. But now it, it does. They do look like carrots. Okay. And there's maybe one or two artist depictions of this scene that I absolutely absolutely love because it looks something straight out of science fiction, and I absolutely love that. So. These things come out of the spaceship and grab these two men and bring them back to do, well, they do, well, they do medical examinations. They don't necessarily say that anything was sexual, um, but. I mean, I didn't say anything about the butt was sexual. It just said it was butt stuff. (laughs) But they did say it was done by a giant robotic eye, which. Platonically. But, I mean, that's. Platonic platonic butt stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm not even cutting that out of the episode that was funny <laughs> well someone's got to get their kick somehow you know so on route 66 i don't even think that goes through mississippi so they don't know how much time has actually passed but i they say it it feels like like hours but they emerge back out of their trans-like paralysis, and then the ship and the two creatures are gone. Now, they are in this huge frenzy. They are scared. They have no idea what just happened. So the first thing they do is they go to the cops. I mean, that's pretty natural. You just have, like, you know, this heightened sense of panic happening you think you've seen something the men in black are not easily or readily available at this point you know will smith is still kind of in cancel culture at the moment so you have to call the police yeah well they went to the cops and they also went to uh after they did this whole thing with the cops which i'm going to describe they went also to kessler air force base and then told the story too and the outcome is fantastic because because this is what happened when they went to the sheriff's department and they went to the cops and they told them what happened of course the cops are not going to believe them so what they did is they tried to break the two men into into fessing up that they were lying so they they do their normal tactics you know to to try to to coerce these two men into into fessing up that they're that they're not telling the truth well they have a hidden recorder placed in their holding room thinking that they were going to like maybe collaborate some type of lie while the cops weren't there but when they were examining the the evidence and doing the interviews it was it was legit. They they were they were 
frightened. They were it, the proof was there that these two men either s- saw something or they convinced themselves that they did see something. They went as far as doing a polygraph test, which they passed. Okay, but I have to stand with all of the true crime podcasts I listen to. A polygraph isn't worth anything. And in the word of the morbid girls, it is worth as much as a hot dog in a trench coat. Now, I also understand that the polygraph could be a a thing that you can, well, not fake. What's the word I'm looking for? You, you can pass it if you were, if you were a, a really good liar. You can fail a polygraph just because you're nervous. If these people are in such a heightened state of panic that they have now gone to two separate agencies, they are obviously like either in fear or very committed and stressed out. So if their heart rate is elevated, if, you know, their body temperature is odd, if they're having like, you know, like minor palpitations or anything like that, you can just be stressed and fail a polygraph test. So I will take what you have to say into consideration, but I do not hold a lot of faith in uh, polygraphs. Well, the cops did, and they were on their side. The The sheriff even went to say, it's like, if these boys are lying, then they are fantastic liars. The I've dated some of those. The whole concept is just an amazing thing that these two men have not only the police on their side and a UFO investigator from Northwestern University, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, professor of astronomy, flew down and confirmed that their story checked out too. Now, why did they send a professor of astronomy and not maybe a psychologist or or a um, uh, somebody who can maybe dig deeper in the investigation to see if they were lying, maybe some type of FBI people. I I don't know. But it was a credible person saying that, yeah, these two gentlemen are are telling the truth. Okay. Now, Hickson, the foreman, was a well-known man around town. How many times have you heard this story? I mean, I'm sure he was an upstanding citizen. I'm sure he was honest. I'm sure he was great. He was, he probably like volunteered to walk old ladies across the street. Uh, I'm sure he's a great guy. Upstanding. So when this story broke, it made national news. It went as far as to make the Johnny Carson show and the Dick Cavett show. In the Who show? Dick Cavett show. I don't even... I've never heard of that one. I haven't heard that one too, but I'm assuming that's like the Late Late Show. You know how we have Late Show or the Late Late Show, things like that. Hold on. My parents are here real fast. Hey, what's the Dick Cavett show? Dick Cavett did uh, a late evening night show. Okay. Okay, yeah. Can confirm. The, uh, the dad says that that's a late night evening show. Thanks, dad. You're welcome. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so we, we got we got confirmation. So he went on these two shows and recounted the events. And also, like 
a lot of people who have these experiences published a book. Man, okay, remind me, what year was this? This was in 1973. 1973. I mean, yeah, I guess everybody wrote a book in 1973. I mean, what what else were you going to do with that kind of information? Yeah, but here's here's the thing. This is just Hickson. This is this is just Charles Hickson doing everything. He's only he's the only one that's going forward with these monetizing TV. his story. Well, good thing you brought that up because I'll explain later how he didn't make a whole lot of money doing this at all. So Charles Hickson went on these TV shows. He published a book. Uh, he went on multiple interview shows. You know things like that. Um, I don't know if he was trying to make a buck out of this story, but it didn't really seem to pan out for him because he didn't really make a whole lot of money from this, from this story. Okay. Now Parker jr. On the other hand, uh, full name Calvin Parker jr. Let me get that right. He left town after, after this whole thing made news. Okay. He, he left town. He split. He didn't talk about it for years it was to the point to where calvin parker jr would quit a job if anybody recognized who he was and he just picked up and left that's because they were all lying and he did not have the witherall to continue with the lie he's oh nope i'm about to get caught i'm gonna be on my way or the other guy hickson hickson's gonna find me if i out us as being liars well here's the thing hickson you know wasn't getting any money his story never changed but of course like like all stories like this there are going to be skeptics and they're going to be people who want to try to prove him wrong. So years after the incident, skeptics Philip J. Kloss, a UFO investigator, and Joel Nickel, a paranormal investigator, had a private interview and investigation done on Hickson's story. And they went on to write about his attitude, his demeanor, his shifty undertones, and came out to the conclusion that he was... A liar. Dun, dun, dun. They asked Hickson for a polygraph test. Uh, they asked Hickson for multiple validation stories to see if anybody around town can collaborate with what they saw. Because if these two men saw it, obviously other people saw it as well. But no one really wanted to come forward. So after Hickson's refusal, they determined that he was just lying. And he was in maybe in some sort of stress-induced walking dream state. And that Calvin Parker Jr. was such an impressionable young man because Calvin Parker Jr. was 19 at the time. And Charles Hickson was in his 30s, maybe early 40s, that he almost forced him to collaborate on his dreamlike story. Now, did they explain the nature of the relationship between these two people? Because I'm trying to figure out why two unrelated men, one being a teenager and one being like potentially a 40, you said, like 30s, 40s. Like, why are they hanging out together fishing in the middle of the night? Is Grinder not? I mean, obviously, Grinder wasn't a thing yet. 
Well, they didn't really go into the type of relationship these two gentlemen had. It could have just been, you know, uh, a, a young man wanting to go fishing and, hey, ask his boss to go fishing. Like, how many times have you asked a coworker or supervisor to go have a drink after work? You know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that I guess in that small Okay, type so they work town, together? They did work together, yes. Okay, that, okay, that, yeah, that was the question. I was like, how do they know each other? It's like, I don't know. I've never asked one of my bosses, like, hey, you want to go fishing in the dark? Like, that's a different, that's a different kind of question in the South. Yeah, so he was a a shipyard foreman and he was one of the employees. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I still have never asked my boss to go fishing in the dark, but um, I'm also a girl, so maybe that made a difference. Well, Parker came out in 2018 when he published his own book about the events that happened and the the years that followed. Okay. Because the town set up a historical marker site where it occurred. And Parker returned and he he did say in a later interview that he did kind of kept in touch with his old boss Hickson at 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 one point he was actually paying some bills for Hickson because Hickson wasn't getting any money so when you asked earlier if he was getting monetization for this story apparently he wasn't getting anything because his previous co-worker Calvin Parker Jr was paying his bills sometimes to try to make ends meet. I just had a very uh, Tiger King, Joe Exotic kind of image come in my head where he's just, he's out there and he's telling his story and he is over the top and he's telling everybody. And then at the same time, he's like, I will never financially recover from this. And he's got <laughs> these younger boyfriends. I mean, I, I know that I'm like the only one on team, like that these guys were boyfriends. But um, he's got this younger guy who's paying his bills for him and stuff while he is still just being his eccentric, the aliens took me self. Well, when that historical marker was, you know, presented and erected, right. One woman came out on record and said, yes, on October 11th, 1973 I did see a blue flashing light from that area at the Pascagoula River but I was just too afraid to speak up I'm gonna call bullshit after that many years you had so many opportunities you had these people who were being absolutely ridiculed and just now years and years later when the date is now on a placard in the middle of the of of God and everybody, you're going to be like, yep, I remember where I was on this random day on this random year. I could not tell you where I was on June 17th, 2003. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. You saw that. You now have an opportunity to be in the limelight and be the lucky number three and the first woman to have seen it. I don't believe you when you wait that long. You lost your credibility. There's a statute of limitations on uh, credibility for sightings. It was well, past it. What's interesting is, and Did also you- unfortunate, 
is that this is the only sighting that occurred in that area. This is it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that is basically what happened. And I have some, I have a little bit of of theories of why there are only certain amount of um, alien type events, personal, maybe like more intimate events that happened between like 1950s and 1970s. Okay, when you say intimate, I'm talking about abduction and like being experimented on. <laughs> okay, are we back yeah. to butt stuff, or are we just back to like face to face, like nice well, little I'll, smooches? Well, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna say. I wasn't gonna say butt stuff because here's here's the here's something that I left out. This is something that I left out. Okay, when now they put went, it in. When when they left to go to the police department to tell the story they had puncture wounds in their arms oh okay not not where i thought that was going i was about to feel really bad (laughs) have you ever heard the sweet violet song where every line every line of the song ends uh not the way you thought it was going to that's that that was just how that conversation went okay uh never mind if you know the sweet violet song you know which one i'm talking about if not uh i'll post it to our social media (laughs) but yeah and then unfortunately hickson passed away in at around uh 2008 and i think calvin parker jr is still alive and and that's and that's basically it you know this the story the story ends ends there there's not another abduction there's not another sighting there wasn't another um you know creature from from the extraterrestrial world it was it was just a a, a two guys fishing and got snatched up <laughs> they done got snatched well i mean sometimes we do need just kind of like a straightforward uh quick cryptid so i think this one is interesting it was definitely different than i think a lot of the other ones that we've done i know we definitely hadn't had anything that was in the elephant family or the carrot faced family oh yeah (laughs) Well, then I think if you don't have anything else to add, it'll be time to rate our cryptid. Yeah. I'm going to give this a wonderful... Wait, wait, wait. We have to explain it. (laughs) Oh, right. Let's explain it. So we've come to the part of our episode where we're going to rate our cryptid. So we rate our cryptids on a sliding scale of one to five. We leave out the pesky decimals that some podcasts like to do, and we're not calling out anybody, especially the Gore and More podcast that Anthony just got to guest host on last week. We try and stick to whole numbers, but occasionally a 0.5 will enter in there. One is we didn't like it, and five is we loved it. And instead of stars, we use golden Nessies, which is why we're so excited for our Plesiosaur episode coming up. 
So Anthony, on a scale of one to five golden Nessies, what do you rate the Pascagoula Elephant Man? Four out of five. All the way four out of five. I, really? Oh my God, yes. This is this is so good. This is it's it's such a a a classic alien abduction story. Not like Fire in the Sky, which you haven't seen. I haven't. But, uh, but the 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 classic para, uh, paralyzed. They got snatched up. They they got experimented or or examined on and then left and then that's it it's just a classic story i dig it and i have my own theories like i said on why this only happened between the 1950s and the 1970s but that's that's maybe for a detour episode so love it love it love it okay well i'm gonna give this a one out of five uh because i don't think zero is actually an option this might be the cryptid that like i think it's kind of interesting but not really very interesting um i would be interested in hearing some of your theories because to me it just seems like two guys were fishing in the dark and you know cocaine's a hell of a drug i don't know um it just seems like this is um not enough to substantiate. It seems like there might have been some like tragic backstory we don't know about. And I think I'd be more interested in that part. But just to be like, we were really scared. There were some crazy lights. And now we've got holes in our arms. And this robotic arm did weird stuff to us. I don't know. I don't find it very compelling. And um, yeah, I mean, I know I'm not the biggest fan of aliens, like in general. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one on this one. Well, fine. I mean, no, I mean it's okay. You're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm just kidding. Hey, I hear that people like our um, division of personality and mindsets on this podcast. It's one of the bit like the biggest, most consistent feedback that I get is people like how different we are, and occasionally that's going to show up in our ratings. Indeed, that's what makes us such a good team. Indeed. Oh my gosh, that silence was was tangible. <laughs> All right, everyone, we are going to wrap up this episode. We will be seeing you guys again very soon, although maybe not as soon as normal. You can catch all of our tags and where you can find us right after all of our official goodbyes and right before our bloopers. So if you haven't been sticking around to the very end of the episode, uh, it's been a little while now, but we started throwing special bloopers at the very, very end. So just wait for that little sensor bleep check out those bloopers and for more content like that you can always find us over on our patreon page anthony is there anything else you want to say before we officially end this season nope aliens are real aliens are real but the pascagoula elephant man only gets a one later bye Do you need more 50 States of Terror? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. You can find us on Patreon, Facebook, and Instagram at 50 States of Terror. On Twitter, you can find us at 50 States Terror. You know, 
because of the character limit. You can also email us directly at the50sot at gmail.com. Or check out the show notes for direct links via our link tree. We'll see you there. Yeah, you will. This episode was researched, written, and produced by Kaylee and Anthony Diaz. If that makes sense. And then I'll figure out which one works best. Hey, I know you're loud, okay? Talia, come on, up. They can hear me Well, it's, across the football field can, the long ways. I can hear mom yelling <laughs> Talia's toenails on the floor. That's why she has to lay down. So we'll just do it one more time that way. And then uh, that should be everything. I can make it You want me in front of the mic or not? Yeah, just right here. So you want me to face the mic is what I'm asking. Nope, you're good. Okay. So this is a cardioid setting. So it actually grabs, so it's a heart shape from here. Okay. It goes around to there. So you don't have to be right in front of it. Okay. That's everything. Uh, No, I ask, are you okay? Oh, you're not Calvin. Nope, I'm not Calvin. (laughs)